Well, hey, good morning, Center Church. This is Josh Miller. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're a guest with us this morning, you're tuning in and you aren't usually with us, I just want to give you a special shout out. And I want to go ahead and address the question that's on every single member of Center Church's mind right at the beginning, and it's this. Did Pastor Josh really wear a flannel shirt on the first weekend of spring? And your answer is, yes, I did, for two main reasons. Number one, it is very, very cold here this weekend. And number two, so many things are changing in our lives that you need one thing that you can count on, and it's that I will wear one of six flannel shirts from L.L. Bean every single Sunday, just like I have for the past six months. But seriously, I am so, so excited to be able to come to you through this online service, and I hope that it will be an encouragement, and I hope that it will give you something to think about and something to chew on uh, while we can't gather together safely because of all that's going on in our world. And if you are a guest, I'm really thrilled that you're tuning in. I think right now is an incredible time to investigate Jesus for two reasons. Number one, you have a lot of time on your hands. We all have a lot of time on our hands, so it gives you space to be able to think. It gives you space to be able to read and to really chew on some of these questions, these important questions of faith that you might have. Number two, I think we're all realizing that our world is not nearly as secure as maybe we thought that it was. It seems like every single day when we turn on the news or we get on our phones, we get bad news. We get bad news from around the world and around our country. And the scriptures are a place that we can go and get good news. They're a place that we can go and find solace for our souls in the midst of a world that seems to be very chaotic. So I'm thrilled that you're tuning in, and I hope that you'll continue to tune in over the next couple of weeks. And when we are able to gather back together, I hope that you'll come and join us and celebrate and getting to do that again. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series in the book of Acts called People Like You, Empowered by Him. And our plan is to just continue on in that series, not to change our series or to talk about something different because of the coronavirus. And we're doing that for two reasons. Number one is that I think the themes in the book of Acts are extraordinarily relevant for us in this time. What you'll find, I think, as we go through Acts is that it seems to be speaking to our situation in 2020. So I'm excited to walk through that with you. And the second reason is Isaiah 40, verse 8, which says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. And what that means is that no matter what is happening in the world around us, we can go to the scriptures and we can find truth that is strong. We can find a foundation that doesn't shake. We can find a refuge for our souls. So I'm thrilled to be jumping in to Acts chapter 8 in our third or fourth week in this series. So if you have a Bible, you can type to or turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. That's where we're going to be this morning. So I want to I start off by referencing Iron Man 3, okay? So Iron Man 3, the third installment in the Iron Man series, let's just be honest, not Marvel's best work. But the other, other night, my wife and I are watching Iron Man 3, and at the end of the movie, Tony Stark is locked in an epic battle with his enemy when all of a sudden, at the, at the very last moment, our, Tony's army of robot soldiers finally shows up. So all these other Iron Man suits show up on the scene, and they tilt, tilt the battle definitively in Tony's favor, and the camera zooms in on Tony's face for him to deliver his one-liner at the epic moment of this movie, and this is his exact words. You ready? All right, boys, let's take him to church. Let's take him to church. And I heard that, and I just started laughing. I just started laughing. It made me think about the different ways that we use the word church in our culture today. So if you're Tony Stark, what you mean by take him to church is let's blow everyone up with Iron Man suits. You might say, hey, I'm going to church this weekend, or I'm inviting one of my friends to church. And when you do that, what you're referring to is a place. What you're referring to is a building or a location uh, that the people of God gather together to worship. And that's fine. That's a totally fine way to use the word church. 
But it's important for us to recognize that theologically, the church is not a place, the church is a people. You see, theologically, the church is not a place, the church is a people. And all throughout the Bible, the people of God have gathered together for worship and have scattered together for fellowship. So they're in this rhythm of gathering and scattering all throughout the Bible. So in the Old Testament, God's people, the 12 tribes of Israel, would gather together in Jerusalem for particular religious festivals. And then once the festival was over, they would scatter back out to their ancestral lands. In the New Testament, the church would gather together to worship in the temple, and then they would scatter into homes for fellowship and for Bible study. And we actually do this every single week without really thinking about it. We gather together on Sunday morning for worship, and then we scatter into our lives. And then many of us gather together again in our missional communities, and then we scatter again into our lives until Sunday. Gathering and scattering has always been the normal rhythm of God's people. But every once in a while, something happens that forces God's people to scatter when they would rather gather. So in the Old Testament, it was the Babylonian exile. So for 70 years, the people of Israel were exiles in a foreign land, and they could not gather to worship in the way that they were used to doing. In our day today, it's the coronavirus. We are not permitted to gather together on Sunday mornings to worship like we usually do. And in Acts chapter 8, it was a citywide persecution that broke out against the church that forced the early church to scatter into the surrounding region. You see, when we would rather gather but we're forced to scatter, it can be disorienting, right? It can be anxiety-creating. It can create fear in our hearts. It can be discouraging. That was certainly the case for the early church, and I know that that could be the case for us today. But here's the amazing truth and the really hopeful truth that we're going to learn from Acts chapter 8 today. You see, sometimes God scatters his church to move his mission forward. God will intentionally scatter his people to get the gospel message to people who have never heard it before. That is what God did in Acts chapter 8, and that's what I believe God wants to do in our lives today. I believe God wants to use this time of scattering to drive the, deeper, the gospel deeper into your life and wider into our community. And by looking at Acts chapter 8, we're going to learn three truths about the scattering of the church that were important and true then and that are important and true for us today if we're going to be faithful in the midst of this scattering. We don't know how long this is going to go on, but we know that the truth of God's word never fails and that he is not surprised by this. And so if you've got a Bible, again, turn to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to learn three things about the scattering of the church. And here's the first thing. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. Number one, scattering is under God's control. Scattering is under God's control. So we're jumping into the middle of a story in Acts chapter 8. So let me set some context for you. In Acts chapters 1 through 5, things are going really, really well for the church. The word of God is increasing and the number of disciples is multiplying. But things start to change in Acts chapter 6. You see, in Acts chapter 6, persecution and opposition really ramps up. And what happens is that there's a man named Stephen who was a leader in the early church. He was a godly young professional, a bit like a missional community leader in our church today. And Stephen was preaching the gospel. And as he did, a group of people came up and started to argue with him. And when they couldn't overcome him because he was wise and full of authority and power, they dragged him before a local council and they accused him of, of threatening the temple. The temple was one of the most important things in the city of Jerusalem. And the council asked Stephen, are these things so? And they demanded that Stephen recant his faith. 
But Stephen stood firm. He stood firm in his faith, and as a result, an angry mob dragged him out of the city and put him to death. Stephen became the very first martyr of the Christian faith. And that is the event that came just before Acts chapter 8, verse 1. So let me read it to you. It says this, And Saul approved of Stephen's execution. So Saul was a rising star in the Jewish community. He was a man of fierce intelligence who was zealously devoted to the traditions of his ancestors. And what we're going to find out is that Saul is later going to become a Christian. By the grace of God, Saul is going to be changed from Saul, the persecutor, to Paul, the apostle. And Paul is going to go on to write 13 letters of the New Testament and become one of the most important people who has ever lived. Right? That is coming in Acts chapter 9, and we are going to dig into that thoroughly. But for today, we're not going to talk much about Saul because this chapter isn't really about Saul. It's about the scattering of the church. So let's keep moving. Look at verse 1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So a citywide persecution broke out that was so intense that every single Christian except for the apostles was scattered out of the city and into the surrounding areas. And at this point, historians estimate that the church was about 20,000 people. So this was a mass exodus of believers from the city of Jerusalem. That's how bad this persecution was. And you have to understand what a massive moment this was in the life of the church. Every single one of these believers had only ever known Christianity to be gathering in the temple and scattering into homes for fellowship. That is all they had ever known. And in the blink of an eye, everything changed. Everything changed. It was not business as usual. They were scattered and their leaders, their apostles were still in Jerusalem. And it's important to recognize that this scattering happened as a result of a very bad thing. A very bad thing. This persecution that broke out was violent, was hateful, and was murderous. I mean, it caused real grief and lament in the church. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. So the church was grieved. They were grieved that this young leader in their church, Stephen, who had served tables and had led Bible studies and had encouraged them, was now dead. His life was cut short by a ruthless mob. And things got very intense. It wasn't just that they were grieving the loss of Stephen. They were full of fear and anxiety. I mean, look at verse 3. It says this, Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So it's bad enough to be arrested while you're publicly proclaiming your faith, but it is a whole nother level to be dragged out of your house. You see the word ravaging that was used there in the text? That word ravaging was used in antiquity to describe a wild boar that was trampling through a garden or an army that was marching through a city laying to waste everything in its path. That is what Saul was doing to the church. Christians were being dragged out of their homes and thrown into prison. Those who escaped could not show themselves publicly. And children lost parents, husbands lost wives, friends lost friends. The church did not plan this scattering, and the church did not want this scattering. And yet, this scattering was under God's control. Let me say that again. The church did not 
planned this scattering, and the church did not want this scattering, and yet this scattering was under God's control. And the author of the book of Acts, a medical doctor named Luke, goes out of his way to show us that, and here's how. If you look back at verse 1, you'll notice that we're told where the disciples scattered to. They scattered into Judea and Samaria. Now, unless you happen to be an expert of first century geography, that probably doesn't mean much to you. Until we remember that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gave his church their mission. He gave them their marching orders, and this is what he said. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, Jesus wants everyone everywhere to have a chance to be saved. So he gave his disciples a worldwide mission. Their job was to take this good news of the gospel to every single man, woman, and child on the planet. But hear me, until this point, the church had shown zero interest in taking the gospel outside of Jerusalem. Zilch. Nothing. Things had been going extremely well for six chapters. They had 20 thousand members, and yet we get no indication that anyone was interested in taking the gospel out of Jerusalem and into the world. In fact, Acts chapter 5 verse 8 tells us that people were coming from Judea and Samaria into Jerusalem so that they could hear the gospel and be a part of the church. You see, in his sovereignty, God used a bad thing, the persecution, to accomplish a good thing, the forward movement of the gospel. In his sovereignty, God used a bad thing, the persecution, to accomplish a good thing, the forward movement of the gospel. It probably didn't feel like it at the time, but this scattering because of persecution was under God's control. And the truth is, even when our scattering today doesn't feel like it, it is still under God's control as well. Look, there is no denying it that the coronavirus is a bad thing. But it's still under God's control. And he's still going to his, accomplish his purposes in your life and in the world. Do you remember the swine flu? The swine flu was another very contagious flu, not nearly as serious as the coronavirus, but it was another very contagious flu that broke out in the summer of 2009. And I remember the swine flu very well because I contracted the swine flu as a counselor at a summer camp. And let me tell you, those three months were three of the hardest months of my entire life. I have no desire to relive those three months of my life, and yet I would not trade them for the world. I have no desire to relive them, but I wouldn't trade them for the world because God did a profound work in my heart through that time of hardship. You see, we didn't plan this scattering, and we didn't want this scattering, but that does not mean that God isn't going to use this scattering in your life and in the lives of people around you, because no matter what happens, God is still in control. He is still on his throne. He is not surprised by this. He is not frightened by this. He is enthroned, and that is good news. We're in a hard season. I mean, there is no denying it but I'm convinced that God wants to do a great work in you in this season. Maybe you've been considering Christianity, but you just haven't had the time or taken the time to really sit down and think about your questions and read the scriptures and, and ask your friends about their faith. Well, now is your moment. Maybe you're a Christian, but for the longest time, you've struggled to have a consistent time with God every day. You just haven't been able to build the habit of daily Bible study and prayer. 
Now is your moment. You have more time than ever. You could build a habit now in this season of scattering that will transform you in the many years when you can gather again with the church. Maybe you don't know your neighbors. Maybe you've never met them because it seems like they're never home when you're home. Well, that problem has been solved because most of our neighbors will be home all the time. And if your neighborhood is anything like me, people will be outside going for walks and getting fresh air just to try to maintain their sanity. You can get to know your neighbors from a very safe social distance in this season in a way that you and I have never been able to do before. To sum it all up, I guess what I'm saying is don't waste your quarantine. Don't waste your quarantine. Hear me, as followers of Jesus, the primary question we should be asking is not how many cases are there in Charlottesville, but rather how can I use this season to grow as a disciple of Christ and to make Christ known to others? The primary question that you and I should be asking if we are followers of Jesus is not how many new cases there are in Charlottesville, but how can I leverage this unique season of my life to grow deeper in my relationship with Christ and to make him known to others? I'm not saying those other questions are bad questions, are unimportant questions. I'm just saying that if you are a disciple of Christ, they should not be your primary question. So let me ask you real honestly, how are you doing with this? How has your perspective been over the last week as things have really increased in severity? Man, if you're anything like me, you're going to have to repent of this again and again. My wife and I realized that we were not maintaining a Christ-honoring perspective in the midst of this pandemic because we were just checking the news too much. And so we decided for the good of our own perspective and our faith and that we might grow in this season, we decided we're only checking the news two times a day. We've just decided you're not going to rule us, we're going to rule you, and so we're curating our news intake. And maybe you need to consider doing the same thing. We're also working on building out spiritual growth plans for ourselves so that we don't just sort of uh, drift through this season, but we have a plan and we're accomplishing goals and we're reading good books and we're listening to good sermons and we come out on the other side of this thing stronger than when we went in. And that's something that I would encourage you to do as well. Man, when the world is chaotic, it is so easy for us to retreat into fear. But that isn't the posture that God's people are called to maintain. God's people are called to be full of faith and poise in the midst of chaos. Because we have a God who is faithful and a God who is in control of our scattering. Man, one of my favorite songs right now is called Faithful Now by a worship band called Vertical Worship. And the chorus goes like this. It says, you make mountains move, you make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fears, I will preach to my doubts. You were faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. I love that chorus, I love that song, because it gives us power. It says, you do not have to be controlled by your fears, but you can speak to your fears, and you can preach to your doubts the life-changing truth of the gospel, that your God is enthroned and that you are a child of God and the COVID virus cannot change that. Hear me, fear wants to be the loudest voice in your head. Whether you're a Christian or you're just investigating Jesus, fear and anxiety want to be the loudest voice in your head, but you don't have to let them be. You can speak to your fears with the timeless truths of the scripture. Listen, friends, our scattering is under God's control, and that is good news for us today. Here's the second thing that we learned. So if you're taking notes, here's number two. 
Scattering changes your circumstances, but not your calling. Scattering changes your circumstances, but not your calling. Look at verse 4 with me. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So again, who was scattered? Well, everyone but the apostles. So the guys that you've heard of, Peter, James, John, all the famous Christians, they stayed in Jerusalem. We don't know why, but they stayed in Jerusalem, whereas everybody else scattered throughout the region. All the ordinary Christians, the people like you and me, went out into Judea and Samaria, places where the gospel hadn't gone yet. So what did they do as they scattered? Did they hunker down and wait for the storm to pass? Did they fearfully fret away their days? No, it's amazing. They went about preaching the word preaching the word. Almost everything about their lives had changed. They had to get new jobs. They had to find new places to live. They were scattered from their most meaningful relationships. They had to figure out whole new ways to worship together. But their fundamental calling didn't change. They continued to go about preaching the word. And I love what John Stott points out. He says that that Greek phrase translated preaching the word includes both public and personal ministry. So it includes preaching like this. It also includes sharing over a cup of coffee or across the street. You see, when the early church was scattered, it continued to proclaim the gospel. It continued to make disciples, even though everything about their circumstances had changed. The coronavirus has changed our circumstances, but it has not changed our call to be disciples who make disciples. Or to put it another way, the coronavirus has not and cannot alter your identity as a child of God and ambassador of the king. The coronavirus has not and cannot alter your fundamental identity as a child of God and ambassador of the king. When you became a Christian, you received an identity and purpose in life that is unassailable by your circumstances. And for what it's worth, I think that's one of the most compelling reasons to consider Christianity. I mean, just think about it. If your primary identity comes from your work, that is shaking right now. Most of us can't work in the way that we're used to working. Let's say your purpose in life is to travel to interesting places and have exciting experiences. Well, we can't do any of that right now. Let's say your sense of security comes from your bank account. Well, that's taking a hit undoubtedly. My point is that Christ gives us an identity and a purpose that cannot be affected by our circumstances. Look, scattering changes our circumstances, but not our calling. So what are some practical ways that you and I can follow the pattern of the early church and continue to carry out our calling in this season? Well, there's a lot of them, but a few come to mind. Number one, you can pray. You can pray that your neighbors and coworkers would be spiritually open as a result of this situation. Anybody can do that. Number two, you can simply ask people how they're doing in the midst of all this. You can ask other members of our church. You can ask people on your street. You can text family members or friends or coworkers. Just see how they're doing in the midst of chaos. Things like this tend to make us ask big questions about life. So just ask people how they're doing. Thirdly, you can share a link to our weekly worship service and invite people to watch it. Man, it's an easy way for people to engage with the worship of the church and to hear the claims of the gospel. Fourth, you could reach out to people who have recently started attending our church or your missional community. Help them feel connected in a season where it's harder to connect personally. Look, being scattered changes our circumstances, but it does not change our calling. And there are some strategic ways that God has given us to move the mission forward in this season. 
That's the second thing that we learn from this text. Here's the third and the final thing. Number three, if you're taking notes, scattering multiplies spiritual authority. Scattering multiplies spiritual authority. Look at verse five with me. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So Philip was one of the seven men in Acts chapter 6 who were elected to take care of the needs of the widows. His name is listed right after Stephen's in that list. So what do we know about Philip? Well, like Stephen, he was godly, he was young, and he was deeply engaged in the ministry of the church. But unlike Stephen, there is no mention of Philip doing public ministry while in Jerusalem. Philip seemed to be more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Right? I mean, he, he showed up, he served the widows, he was engaged in the kids' ministry, he helped unpack and repack the trailer, but he didn't do a lot of public preaching or teaching or leadership. He was a servant, he was behind the scenes. Stephen had a more public ministry, but Philip seems to be, was very happy listening to and following the leadership of the apostles. Look, at, look again at verse 5, though. Look at what happened. Philip proclaimed to them Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. There are really two remarkable things about the scene that was just described. The first is that Philip went into Samaria and everybody responded. Now, I don't have a lot of time to get into it, but Samaritans and Jews hated one another. There was a lot of animosity there. So if you ever wanted to come up with a very unlikely group of people to respond to the gospel, it was the Samaritans. But what happened is in this scattering, God took his gospel to a previously unengaged group of people. The Samaritans hadn't heard the gospel, and God used the scattering to take the gospel to them. And I believe he wants to do that same thing in your life. I believe that there are people that live in your apartment complex, co-workers of yours, family members of yours, people that you will meet out and about that have not heard the gospel message, and God wants to use this season of scattering for you to take it to them. And you might be thinking, Josh, that's great, but you don't know my people. Right? You don't know my people. My people are not open to the gospel. And I would say, you're right. I don't know your people. I don't know much about them, but I know a little bit about the Samaritans. And I know the Samaritans were not a likely group to be open to the gospel. So if God can make the Samaritans open to the gospel in this scattering, I think that he could probably make your people open to the gospel in our scattering. So the first thing that's remarkable is that when the gospel scattered in Acts chapter 8, the most unlikely people, the Samaritans, responded to it. But here's the second thing that's remarkable, and this is the one that I really want to focus on. Philip's spiritual authority. Philip's spiritual authority. He shows up in Samaria and preaches with so much authority and power that the entire crowd listened to him with one accord. They were locked into what he was saying. And then he started casting out demons and healing paralyzed people. Now, do not let that fly over your head because it's in the Bible. Let me tell you the people so far in the Bible who have cast out demons and healed paralyzed people. Jesus, the Son of God, the apostles who wrote the Bible, and Stephen. So of the 20,000 or so Christians that we know about at this point in Acts chapter 8, 
14 people had experienced this kind of spiritual authority. And here's Philip, who is basically a behind-the-scenes, quiet guy in Jerusalem, all of a sudden like the Billy Graham of the first century. What happened? This is what I think happened. Philip had been watching the apostles in Jerusalem. He'd been watching them lead. He'd been listening to them pray. He'd been sitting under their preaching. And he was happy to play the role that he'd been given to role, that he'd been given to play. But when this scattering happened, there was a massive leadership vacuum. All of a sudden, the apostles, the leaders, the go-to preachers were all stuck in Jerusalem, and the church was scattered throughout the surrounding region. And so Philip looked around, and he said, there's a vacuum of leadership, and I'm stepping into it. And the most amazing thing happened. When Philip stepped up into a position of authority, God endowed him with spiritual authority. When Philip stepped into a position of authority, God endowed him with spiritual authority. And all of a sudden, Philip is preaching with power, and he's casting out demons, and he's healing people. And he had never done this before. We don't have any record of him doing this in Jerusalem. You see, the truth is, when God scatters his people, he multiplies spiritual authority in the lives of those who are open to his leadership. And this isn't just a New Testament principle. We actually see this in the Old Testament as well. If you want to talk about some of the believers in the Old Testament with the greatest spiritual authority, you, don't, you really can't compare with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those guys? The ones that said, throw us into the oven and our God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we won't worship your God. Right? And they go into the furnace and they come out unscathed. Daniel's thrown into the lion's den and he says, that's fine, my God will deliver me. And sure enough, God shut the mouths of the lions. I mean, these guys were deeply, deeply shaped by the scriptures. They were persevering in prayer. They were models of spiritual authority. Do you know where they lived? In Babylon. They were exiles in the scattering. They weren't priests. They were young men who had been taken from their homeland, had been conquered by Babylon and carried away as exiles. And yet, they developed some of the most incredible spiritual authority in all the Old Testament in their scattering. You see in the Old Testament, you see in Acts chapter 8, and I believe today that God wants to multiply spiritual authority across our church in this time of scattering. How do I mean? Well, dads, let me start with you. This is an opportunity for you to lead your family spiritually. You no longer have center kids to bring your kids to. You no longer have missional community right now. This is your opportunity to step up and to see God work through you to change your family. Right? D-group leaders. Maybe you, you became a D-group leader and you've been trying to do it. You feel kind of uh, incompetent. You don't know how. And you're like, man, I feel like I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me. This is an opportunity for you to step up into spiritual leadership and to care and to shepherd your people, to check in with them regularly, to pray for them that they would not live by fear, but they would live by faith. This is an opportunity for you to step up. Missional community leaders, this is an opportunity for you to own the mission and to make sure that no one in your group falls through the cracks in this season and that not only does the mission uh, not pause, but it goes forward. And you think through creative ways to serve your neighborhood and to pray for your neighborhood and to take advantage of this time where so many people are at home with so much time. I'm so encouraged because I've already started to hear stories about members of our church stepping up in this season of scattering. Like one of our MC leaders who was doing foundations, which is a Bible study we developed for new Christians. He was doing foundations with a new Christian when this whole thing happened. But he said, this is too important for us to put on pause. So they've just started doing it via video chat. And both of them are growing like 
crazy. I think about our college student leaders who are doing a daily Bible study and prayer call at 9 a.m. over Zoom just to stay connected with one another and to help one another grow. I think about a girl in our missional community who has taken it on herself to lead our group in prayer in this season. She's been sharing resources on how we can pray during this pandemic. Church, I fully believe that this is our moment. The church has always been at its best when the world is at its worst because we can offer people a foundation to stand upon that will not be shaken by circumstances. We can offer people a refuge to run to from any storm. I believe that just like God called Philip up into a greater level of spiritual authority and leadership, that he wants to call you up in this season into a greater level of spiritual authority and leadership. And listen, I don't just say that to pump you up. I don't just say that to kind of give you a rah-rah encouragement because you need it in this season. I say it, friends, because scattering is at the very heart of the gospel. You see, the most dramatic scattering that has ever occurred was the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was scattered from heaven when he came to earth. He, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, was born as a baby. He took on the form of a servant, and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If there was ever a moment in history that seemed chaotic and out of control, it was the moment when the perfect Son of God died on a Roman cross for the sins of the world. If there was ever a moment that it seemed like evil had triumphed and that darkness had prevailed, it was Calvary. But in retrospect, we look back to that moment and we now know it as our moment of victory. The moment that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins and he created a new way to have a relationship with the Father. He made it possible for us to be reconciled. You see, friends, Jesus was scattered from the Father so that you could be gathered to the Father. Jesus was scattered from life so that you could be gathered to life. Jesus was scattered from heaven so that one day you could be gathered to it. Scattering is nothing new to the people of God. It is the very foundation of our faith. And when we recognize that, when we work that into our hearts, it will fill us with an incredible confidence and poise in the midst of chaos. Church, God is in control of this scattering. Your identity has not changed. And he wants to do incredible things in and through you in this season. So do not waste your quarantine. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you were scattered so that we could be gathered. Thank you that when the world wobbles and the world shakes, we have a foundation that is firm and that is unyielding, that we have a refuge to run to that will never fail us. God, would you give every single person watching this video, every person listening to my voice, faith to believe that you are strong, and that you are unfailing, and that you are for them. We love you, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.